Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all new, better than ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking Formula One podcast. My name is Ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Eid alongside me as ever. And if you notice anything different about this episode, it's because we can actually see each other. Usually, even though you'll only be hearing the audio of this, we don't actually get to see each other when we're recording this. But we've changed things up a little bit so I can see both of their beautiful faces. I immediately regret this decision. Yeah, this is worse. Why have we done this? The voices were bad enough, let alone seeing you. It's, uh, the podcast listeners are lucky, really. They are blessed. Hashtag blessed, LH44. And of course, Lewis Hamilton hasn't yet moved to DTM, but we will be out with a special podcast episode if that does happen in the coming days. But there are actually a few things we're going to talk about other than that, which are Frederick Vesti joins Mercedes in their junior programme. Our reaction to that news. Um, Is there any merit to putting George Russell in the Mercedes over Lewis Hamilton? Something of a cost saving, but would it be worth it from Mercedes' perspective to give up on someone such as Lewis Hamilton, who isn't too bad, all things considered? Um, But first of all, we are going to be looking at two quote-unquote new teams in Formula 1 in 2021. They are adapted versions of previous versions. Uh, Alpine, of course, taking the place of Renault, uh, and Aston Martin have uh, replaced Racing Point. So we've got two new teams going in uh, slightly new directions. Sam, do you think that one of them has the advantage, not only heading into 2021, but looking at the next few years? Um... Yes and no, really. It's, it's one of those things about, you know, you can't predict the future. You don't really know what's going to happen. There's a lot of circumstances that are changing. Uh, Renault into Alpine is interesting because not only are they changing their their, their brand, essentially, uh, they've lost Cyril Abitable. A, a, a Have I said that correctly? No, meat. Close Cyril. enough. Abitable. Sorry, Cyril. I just call you Cyril. Um, I'm going to be good with names. Anyway, they've lost Cyril. And I'm a bit shocked at the loss of Cyril. To me, Cyril wasn't doing a bad job. Cyril, Cyril had a bad season at one point, but was slowly bringing the rise of Renault back up again. They had 
pretty much by the end of the season become, I'd say, the, the, the third, fourth best side. You know, they were fighting out with Racing Point, ironically, who are now becoming Aston Martin, because Ferrari had that demise. And they felt stronger. Daniel Ricciardo really started bagging some great performances. Ocon got a lot stronger towards the end of the season. Um, he led the negotiations for Fernando Alonso, which I think is a great signing for maybe one or two seasons. I hope he brings it back in the form that we've seen him in. Everyone loves a bit of Fernando Alonso on the grid, so uh, it's going to be spicy. And I, um, I think he was doing a good job. He, he brought a good atmosphere to Renault, I think. So I was pretty shocked. I don't know if it's just because Alpine is technically another arm of Renault, so they wanted that new branding, and so I guess there's a relationship there. But it's a shame, I think. Um, and because of that, I have a little bit more faith and security in the Aston Martin outfit. The Aston Martin outfit, of course, goes back a long way. So many teams have been part of this team. You know, they've got people who go back to that team when they were all the way back in you know, the 2000s. They were Jordan, right? All, a long, long time ago. Um, and there's still people there from that time. And they haven't really changed much management. Of course, the ownership has changed, but that just gives them more money, which is fantastic for them. Um, they've got Sebastian Vettel coming in, obviously Los Perez, which is an odd swap. If Vettel turns up and is, is the Vettel we know he can be, I have faith that Aston Martin, once racing point, could be a real threat in that midfield to pushing on to being one of the better teams. If Vettel is on the beach, as he was maybe at the end of that Ferrari season... I think they're going to struggle because Lance Stroll is still not the capability that I think he could be. He definitely couldn't match Perez. And if he couldn't match Perez, what's to say he's going to match Vettel? Uh, but I think with the backing, the consistency and what the, the Jordan to whatever, to whatever, to whatever, to Racing Point, to now Aston Martin have been through previously, gives them a bit of a hardship, gives them a bit of a shell that they can push through some difficult stuff and adapt. So I, I have more faith that Aston Martin are going to turn this into something successful over Renault now becoming Alpine. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you have more confidence in one of those two teams? It's tricky to say. I mean, you've based it off 2020. Uh, you know, you'd say the Racing Point Aston Martin team are going to be, you know, heading to 2021 they, with similar regulations. There's a few changes to downforce uh, around the floor and stuff. But um, apart from that, we're, we're, we're basically relaunching the 2020 cars with, with a new new lick of paint, effectively. So if you base it on 2020, Racing Point should Sorry, Aston Martin should be the quicker team for 2021. Um, but then you get to 2022 and it, and it all changes again. And, you know, we've we've said before that rule changes can really shake up the field. And, you know, particularly in the midfield. So um, I think it's hard to say. And I, I agree with Sam. There's, there's a lot behind the Aston Martin outfit now in terms of uh, backing of, of you know, Lawrence Stroll. They've got new facilities coming, which will be ready by next year. Uh, Silverstone, um, but at the same time, you, you know, Alpine have got the might of Renault effectively behind them. I know they're not Renault anymore, but they are still Renault basically, um, and they've had a lot of investment too. Um, I was again shocked, like Sam said, shocked to the loss of Cyril, um, but he has been there for a little while, I guess, and they they want to shake up with with the new brand. It's I mean, with a, a, any midfield battle, it's going to be super tight, I think. And, you know, Chuck McLaren in there as well. Um, yeah, I wouldn't want to bet either way, to be honest. I think 2021, I'd I'd place my bets on Aston Martin. 2022 onwards, I think it's, I think it's anyone's game, really. 
I think in terms of performance, if you were to look at 2020, of course, they finished fourth and fifth in the championship. And there wasn't a great deal in it between them in terms of points. You do have to take into consideration a few factors that hindered the racing point team as they were. Obviously, Stroll missed one race, Perez missed two races. And whilst Holgemoe did a solid job in replacing both of those guys, uh, it's still losing your main drivers for, for three Grand Prix combined. Um, and I mean, the other thing to consider as well is that they essentially finished 15 points ahead of where they actually finished because of the penalty that they got. Not to say that the penalty wasn't fair or unfair or get into that debate, but ultimately in terms of pure performance, they were slightly ahead of what their overall points tally showed. However, Renault didn't start 2020 very well. Like they, they didn't have a very good first three or four races. Um, not quite sure what the points tally is if you take everything after that point, but I think by the end of the season, there was very little to choose between those two teams. And I mean, Sam made a good point that Ocon got better as, as the year went on. Um, and Ricardo, his couple of podiums sort of showed up towards the end of the year as well. So uh, I think Renault were in a pretty good spot by the end of that year and where there wasn't really much between the two teams. My view going into 2021 is this is really going to be driver dependent because all four drivers in those two teams have question marks as to how good they're going to be. I feel as if if you've got a team like Mercedes, you generally know what you're going to get with Lewis Hamilton and you know what you're going to get with Valtteri Bottas. You might get the upper end or the lower end of their abilities, but you kind of know the range in which they're in. With these four drivers, I really think that it can go one way or the other quite drastically. If Fernando Alonso is coming back after a few years, if he returns to the power that he once was, he's going to be an excellent driver. If he does something similar to Michael Schumacher and he returns after an absence and isn't the driver he once was, I mean, that's a pretty massive gap. Esteban Ocon gave him a bit of a free pass in 2020 after sitting out the 2019 season. Does he kick on? Does he show signs of where he was at Force India back in 2017 and 18? Who knows? Again, another question mark. And then you look at look at the Aston Martin guys. Sebastian Vettel, perhaps the biggest question mark of the lot. We get to find out this season, was it Ferrari? Was it the atmosphere there? Was it his lack of motivation? Or is Sebastian Vettel not quick enough at the moment? The answer to that question, again, is going to depend where he ends up. And, and Lance Stroll, can he kick on? He's still pretty young. Um, you know, he, he did make strides last season, I think. Maybe not enough, but he's making strides. Does he continue that or has he met where he, he's going to end up ultimately? Has he, has he reached his potential already? So you've got four drivers there where it's really unknown exactly how good they will be. From a more organisational standpoint, Racing Point slash Aston Martin, I mean, Racing Point and all of their previous versions of that team, they have been brilliant in terms of being, for me, the pound for pound best team in Formula One. Like they utilise what they've got, which isn't much compared to the top teams. They utilise it so well. With this added investment, they need to ensure that that doesn't go. They need to remain efficient, even with this added investment. Any any additional millions that get added onto their budget need to be found in points added to their points tally. It, it can't. It needs to correlate. Um but that gives me more faith in Aston Martin that they can do that and that Renault is kind of the opposite in that they seem to always shoot themselves in the foot. Remember, I mean, they're getting back into a better position now, but essentially they're just getting back to the same position they were in in 2019. Like, they're not any further on than where they were. Um, 
you know, I remember when Renault had this master plan to return to the top of Formula One. They're not yet. They're not there yet, and they're no closer to that than they were a couple of years ago. So, another thing that concerns me a little bit about Alpine is what they're doing structurally, because you, know, you made the point that Cyril's not there anymore, and I think that came as a bit of a surprise. I, I know there had been rumblings that, that Cyril might be moving into a slightly more off Formula One role and might only might divide his time or somewhat. Seems as if he's completely gone, and who replaces him? I know um, they've got Brivio in, um, and whether. You know, he's technically filling the role of Freddie Vasseur that was vacated like four years ago. Does he fill into that role? Does he become the de facto team principal? Where does um, Marcin Budkowski, where does he play into this? I don't know if they know structurally how that team's going to work. Um, if you look at, say, McLaren a couple of years ago, they had a massive overhaul and they got the best people in the best positions and it worked for them. And it might work for Alpine as well. But at the moment, it's a bit of an uncertainty for me. Well, we all know that they're all going to both be being well, Williams in 2021 because that's how it works. When we Low downforce is life, so Williams are going to come, come to life now and uh, they will win, I reckon, at least 21 of the 23 Grand Prix. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, it's a conservative opinion, Matt. Mm. I don't know, don't know about that. Um, Which actually leads us quite nicely on to our next topic, which might not even matter because based on what Sam's saying, I think George Russell is going to actually stay at Williams, even if he is offered a uh, you know, Mercedes drive, considering how good they're going to be. Um, you know, Still no contract between Hamilton and Mercedes. Obvious reason for that is Hamilton's going to DTM, but we'll leave that to one side. <laughs> Get on board, people. It's happening. Um, Down to Maracas. So, I mean... Let's face it, if Russell's in that car, it is significantly cheaper for Mercedes. And you could make the argument that if Hamilton is not in the car in the last couple of years, it's Bottas who wins the Drivers' Championship. So, Sam, do you think there's any merit whatsoever for them going ahead with this move? I mean, it's Bottas that wins the Drivers' Championship until it isn't Bottas that wins the Drivers' Championship because he didn't finish second at one point. He didn't finish second last year. Well, not the last year, I mean, because Max Verstappen finished second in 2019. And I think the year before he didn't finish second, did he? When he didn't win a single race all season. So, Bottas is not as good pound for pound as what you'd expect. Um, Russell turns up for one race and puts one of the best overtakes of the whole season on Valtteri Bottas, who knows that car back to front, who knows that team back to front, who, who understands everything about it. And Russell, who gets one race weekend of expertise, delivers uh, an astonishing result and is only shafted by... You know, his own team's downfall, which is ironically one of Mercedes' worst performances as a team. And it has to happen when Lewis Hamilton isn't there. Maybe that's just the luck that Hamilton has. The luck and skill combined that make you a seven-time world champion, of course. Um, Lewis Hamilton, for me, is irreplaceable. That's like saying, in 2004, do you replace Michael Schumacher with, you know, Jarno Trulli? Yes, is the answer. Yes, yes, no. you do. Yeah. <laughs> The answer is it's Michael Schumacher, right? And Michael Schumacher gets to do what Michael Schumacher wants at that point. And I think it's very much the same here and now. If, if Hamilton turns up and goes, I still want to do this. I've, you know I've got that ability. I've just won another championship. I've got like a two-year deal, please. And they give it to him. Why would you not take it? And I think realistically, if Hamilton does sign, a say, a, a two-year deal, then I think Bottas, I think this is his last season in Mercedes. Because otherwise they lose George Russell, I think. I think George Russell starts to look for a seat elsewhere because you can't be stuck at uh, uh, Williams at the back 
for another two, three years. He is a talent that will go to waste and he deserves to prove it. So I think that Toto will go, see you later, Valtteri. Thanks for your time. Uh, we'll, we'll bring on Russell to partner Hamilton for a couple of years and then we'll look at maybe making another change in two to three years' time. We'll go big, we'll buy another driver in. Um, people like Gasly at that point, I think, will be looking for a drive because uh, he won't be moving up to the Red Bull team anymore, I don't think. Um, people have rumoured that Gasly will go to Renault when Ocon or Alonso move on. So, an option. Um, so, I think that Russell couldn't replace Hamilton. I think that Russell could definitely replace Bottas and it could be a great learning curve for Russell. And if Russell turns around and beats Hamilton, what a moment that is. Um, so, for me, if Hamilton goes on a contract, you give Lewis Hamilton a contract. But... If Hamilton does take that contract, you've got to keep Russell on the ball because Russell is a phenomenal talent and will be your next Lewis Hamilton in three, four, five years' time when he's really got himself up to speed. Any merit to those saying that, that Russell should go in the car, Harry? Um, well, I, read, I read a quite interesting article on race fans the other day about the, the, the stall in the stalls in Hamilton and Mercedes talks. And they did note that, you know, there's a number of things. It's basically money, I think, and Mercedes not wanting to give as much as I think perhaps Hamilton wants slash deserves as a seven-times world champion. Um, but also the George Russell factor, his race in, um, in Bahrain has kind of made things slightly more difficult for him. Now, I'm not, I didn't, I'm not saying if, if everything was, you know, contractually everything is fine, Mercedes aren't going to pick George Russell over Lewis Hamilton. That's nuts. You pick Lewis Hamilton, obviously, don't you? Um, but, you know, the longer this does drag on, I think there will be, they'll come to some arrangement at some point before, you know, pre-season testing. Um, before their car launch, I imagine, they probably went in there for that. Um, but, yeah, you know, the longer this drags on, you've you got to think, there must be people starting to think, well... Maybe maybe we we should go the other way. I'm not saying they're right. I'm um I'm just saying I think you know it it could happen. You know we back in the day I know it's a slightly different situation, but we've seen drivers at and Senna back at McLaren. He didn't really want to drive for McLaren. So it's a different situation. He wanted to go to Williams, but it has happened where you know a driver faces the uh, um, reality that he might not be driving for. A, for the t- for a team because they can't come to a, an agreement and it doesn't matter how good you are you might not come to that agreement so um it's uh, i think it could, it's a possibility i'm not saying it now please don't quote me harry said george russell's going to replace Lewis Hamilton because everyone will lynch me quote but, it. um whether if everything is equal and play, you know uh, everything is right in the world and they have a, a fair choice between russell and hamilton your pick in Hamilton but I think there's a lot of extenuating circumstances happening at the moment and you know this is this is bizarre it's like Sam said at the end of 2004 Schumacher hasn't signed a contract he's just won championship number seven it's just like it is actually quite a weird situation it's kind of been bubbling along in the background but this is a very strange situation he's he's you know one of if not the most successful driver drivers in, uh, in Formula One and he still hasn't signed a contract it's just a bit strange I think this is just the late breaking curse rearing its head again, where he will actually be confirmed five <laughs> minutes after this goes live. So he's um, waiting for it, I reckon. I reckon yeah. he is. Yeah, he's timing it perfectly. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I, I can understand the thought pattern of those who think that Russell should be in the car rather than Hamilton, because on the surface, 
I get where they're coming from in that, you know, Russell is Mercedes' future in the same way that Leclerc is Ferrari's future and in the same way that Verstappen is Red Bull's current and future. Um, You know, Verstappen and Leclerc are all of every race that goes by, they are gaining more and more experience in those cars, whereas Russell is basically being sat in another sport with Williams if they're that (laughs) slow. And he's not gaining the valuable experience that those two drivers are. And Mercedes aren't going to want to be in a position where they feel trapped. And in a few years' time, they have to go up against Verstappen and Leclerc, who are much more seasoned than maybe Russell would be at that point. So I get the logic from that front. I also understand Russell would be a lot, lot cheaper. And I I also get, if you were to look at it on the surface of it, you know, if if Hamilton isn't there last season, you know, Bottas finishes second, Bottas wins the title, same thing happens in 2019. So I, I get that, that logic that, well, if Hamilton isn't there, they'd still win the championship. The problem is with all of that, um, and I'll start with the I'll start with the money actually first of all because Lewis Hamilton is going to want a lot of a lot of dollar and I think he's worth every penny of it from their perspective. Bear in mind as well this isn't this isn't a robot driving a car. This isn't a personality void. You know, someone who who doesn't do well in the press. This is not that guy. Lewis Hamilton is worth much more than what they are going to pay him potentially through the marketing alone. Like the amount of publicity Mercedes get, Mercedes and Hamilton being attached to each other's brand is great for Mercedes. Think of Tommy Hilfiger. Would they be on the Mercedes car without Lewis Hamilton's influence? Possibly not. So there are, you know, reasons outside of his excellent driving ability that that make up some of what Hamilton is going to want to be paid here. From a pure driving standpoint... You know, look, I Hamilton's got to be in the car. I don't care that he's five times, ten times more expensive than George Russell. And I do believe that George Russell's got a hell of a future in Formula One and he might well go on to win championships. But Hamilton has shown no signs of regression yet. He is still at the top of his game. And yes, it might not matter in a season where Mercedes are so dominant that a second driver can come in like Russell and or Bottas and win a championship. But cast your minds back to a season where that isn't the case. Cast your minds back to 2018. You know, Bottas doesn't win the championship there. 2017, when Ferrari have a good car, Vettel wins the championship if Hamilton isn't there. It's those sorts of seasons in the biggest moments where Hamilton comes out to play. That's where Hamilton's greatness is a factor. Maybe you do get a season like 2020 where you can get away with a slightly less than optimal lineup but you might not. And that's not a risk you want to take if you're Mercedes. They haven't got in that position by taking senseless risks. So yeah, you, you get Hamilton. Maybe you have to do a bit of negotiation to get there. Sure thing. But he's in that car. He has to be. I mean, if you're following him on social media, which I'm sure many of you are in the Formula One world, if you do have social media, he looks like he's fully geared up to take part in a Formula One season. He's training, He's going out on runs. He's talking about it on his his posts, his captions, his stories, as if you know I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm getting my body prepared. I'm still recovering from the COVID, and I want to I want to get going. Um, so he he seems fully geared up to go racing again, unless there's something weird going on in the background that we're unaware of. That there's maybe another class involved of racing, but it doesn't feel like that would ever be the case. So. By all intents and purposes, he wants to leave Formula One, and the thing is, is the only team he'll be joining. 
So I'd be pretty shocked if he's not in that car. I think he'd be willing to take a cut if it, if, if Mercedes hold out long enough, you know. And I mean, just just to sort of add to the Schumacher 2004 Hamilton 2021 comparison here, one thing that does differ between their circumstances is that Schumacher had just won a seventh title. But going into 2005, Ferrari were nowhere near the force that they were in 04. Uh, I say that Bridgestone weren't the force that they were in 04. You know, the Bridgestone tyres were so awful that season. The, the only race Schumacher or Barrichello won that year was a race in which six drivers took part in. <laughs> Whereas, theoretically, 2021, there's no reason to believe that Mercedes won't be just as dominant as they were in 2020. So 2021 is a golden opportunity for Hamilton to win an eighth championship, whereas 2005 wasn't necessarily a golden opportunity for Schumacher to win his eighth championship. But other than that, I think you're right in terms of how much the two situations mirror each other. We'll move on to a driver that that does know how the Mercedes pens work because he has signed a contract with the team. Uh, and that's Frederick Vesti, who has joined uh, as part of the Mercedes junior team. Uh, 19-year-old from Denmark. He's going to be competing in Formula 3 for the second year. He finished fourth in that same championship last year. Uh, the Mercedes junior team doesn't generally get as much publicity as the other ones, such as Ferrari and Red Bull. But Harry, do you think that this is a, a good move to sign someone in and around that F3 area? Yeah, I think mean, it's a good call. I don't, uh, I don't know a huge amount about Frederick. Sorry, Frederick. Big Fred. Um, so, so, so Fred, mate. Um, you know, I, I had a quick scan of his of his junior career, and it's 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 varied, shall we say? Um, but yeah, I think it's a sensible move to to sign someone slightly lower down in F three. Um, and then use that opportunity to build them up. Don't do a Red Bull and have another junior driver knocking at your door uh, when you've got when you're too full, when your teams are too full. And you know, Mercedes, realistically, I mean, they have Williams basically, which is I think will become its B team. But um, yeah, they've already got an issue with George Russell. They don't want to create another headache with someone else. So yeah, I think it's a sensible move. Um, yeah, he might still be, you know, become ready too soon for them. But um, I guess that's a that's a headache for future Toto. So uh, he's not worrying about that now. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, good move around. I don't have a huge amount to say because, like I said, don't really know no, know much about Fred, but I'm willing to learn. <laughs> it's a <laughs> great that, attitude to have. Yeah. Love it. I mean, Sam, in terms of what the Mercedes junior team is, as I say, the Red Bull team and the Ferrari team seem to have loads of drivers in at the same time. The Mercedes team seems to be uh, a lot a lot slimmer. They don't have as many drivers. Do you think that will benefit Vesti long term? I think it will benefit both Vesti and Mercedes. Should he get to the Mercedes team? Of course, there's no guaranteeing that just because you are a junior driver for a team, that you do have that ability long, long term to put yourself in what is currently the most successful team of all time. Um, the, the interesting thing, first, about Vesti that I noticed, and as you pointed out at the start when you intro the topic, is that he's 19 years old. It feels like Mercedes are willing to steer away from what feels like the current trend of bringing in drivers at a very young age. Red Bull have definitely led this. Of course, we saw how early Verstappen came in. Sainz was very young. Ricardo was very young when he came in. Um, Sonoda is not very old either. 
you know, there's a lot of youngsters that go through that Red Bull drive. And a lot of them, all of them, apart from Max Verstappen in their eyes, turn out to not be good enough. They turn out to not have developed in the time that they wanted them to. And it causes them a lot of headaches. They lose a lot of good drivers very early on. You give Albon an extra year. You give Gasly an extra couple of years. You give Sonoda maybe an extra couple of years. They could be ready to go. They could be up and running. Verstappen is a generational talent. The other guys are just considered... Sorry, I'm just going to tap my headphones, folks. There we go. I'm back. Um, the other guys are considered to be good drivers. They're not considered to be, you know, world beaters like Verstappen is. Ferrari are doing something similar. You know, they brought up the club very quickly. They had to dispatch Vettel because it was causing uh, friction. So we've seen negative ramifications of that. They then had to bring Science on board, which is not ideal. It wasn't the smoothest. And now they've got Schumacher coming up, which is one of many Ferrari drivers. We've seen the sacrifice of Ilot. He probably won't get into Formula 1 full-time. Giovinazzi's not looking great either anymore. So the Saints are doing things differently. They are taking their time. They've scrimmed back their numbers. They are very much a streamlined outfit in comparison to the others, which are quite bloated with junior drivers that maybe don't have the potential that they need. Um, Vessi comes from what I feel like is, again, like Carrier, I don't know too much about Frederick Vessi, but it comes with quite a wealthy background, as most of these guys do. That could bring in some sponsorship or some backup should they need it. Um, the guy, I think, I kind of, I'm really literally reading it here to remind myself, the inaugural champion uh, of the Formula Regional European Championship. That's positive. That's good to see. He's got a couple of wings under his belt in formulas. Let's see how he does in F3. I think he's going to be entering F1 a little bit late, though. You know, if he wings F3, goes into F2, wings F2, okay, you might enter F1 at 21 years old. Acceptable. That's good. Fine. But if he doesn't, if he takes two years in F3, as Schumacher's done, takes two years in F2, as Schumacher's done, he's going to be bordering 23, 24 years old. And then you're looking at people like, Nick Latifi, who is doing well in Formula 1, I think better than people expected, but Nick Latifi's never going to go on to be a Mercedes race-winning driver, and maybe that's what Mercedes are hoping for. You never know, Latifi is, of course, the greatest driver of all time to be seen. Um, So I like it, I think it's a good move, I think that some things have got to fall into place for them to really make it work, but um, it's good that I think they're keeping their options open as well. I think there's a lot of youngsters that are available that are very promising that are not signed to a young driver program just yet. But good for Bestie. He's signed on to the most successful team currently in Formula One. So you can't really complain at that. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, it's a really difficult one. So I think him being part of the Mercedes junior team is actually a good thing. You know, Mercedes overall have had seven drivers in their junior team ever. Ferrari have got nine at the moment. <laughs> like Mercedes are very much focused on a smaller number and it works. You know, it, it resonates up to their main team as well. Look at Hamill. Since they rejoined Formula One in 2010, they've had, they've had four drivers. That's it. You know, they've, they had Schumacher, Rosberg, and they've eventually been placed by Hamilton and Bottas. And that's all they've done. They have been a model of consistency in that respect. And that resonates throughout the junior team as well. They focus their talent. They focus on a few of their guys. They've got a few guys that are in sort of karting and lower formulae than Formula 3 at the moment. But if you were to look at the three drivers who, are, who have gone through their program and, have been, and are old enough to have been to F1, all three of those drivers have been in F1. So George Russell, Esteban Ocon and Pascal Verlein. They're the three drivers that have been in their junior team that have been old enough to have gone through F1. And they all have. So that is a pretty good sign for Frederick Vesti, if he can follow that pattern through. Um, for me, in terms of his ability, the jury's still out 
it's a bit of a mix pro bit of a mix um you know you make a good point that he won the formula regional uh european championship in 2019 it was a bit of a shortened field that year um it was just after the split between european f3 and gp3 so uh sorry it was just um, when they came together and that was the other championship that came out of it um so i think there were only about seven or eight full-time drivers that year so it might not be completely representative um of a full championship win at, U- at f3 level um I, last year he finishes fourth in you in formula three which i think is a pretty good effort the one problem is that he was part of prema who seemed to for whatever reason have such a dominance at that level that pretty much anyone who goes in their car it works for they had that dominance when it was Euro F3 as well. Seemed to translate as soon as they went into F3 as well. So their drivers, um, who would have been Schwartzman, Armstrong and Deruvela in 2019, they finished first, second and third in the championship. And last season, they had himself, Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent, and they finished first, second and fourth in the championship. So no Prima driver in the last two years has actually finished worse than where Vesti finished, uh, which on the surface of it, you know, you look at fourth place and you think, oh, that's pretty good going. You know that, then maybe it doesn't look quite as good and maybe m- might explain why he's not moving up to F2 this year and why instead he's doing another year at F3. I think he has to win the championship this year, very least second place, um, to then prove himself to go up to F2. Um We'll see how it works. Um, yeah, like I say, he's got a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing to work with Mercedes. We know how successful some of their other drivers have been. Of course, none of them have made it to Mercedes themselves, but they have made it to F1, which I don't think is anything to be sniffed at. So it's going to be up to him. Can can he perform? Can he not? Who knows? I think that's interesting, isn't it? I think that might be the Lewis Hamilton factor that a lot of drivers get into Formula One, but they obviously can't take that final step. To Mercedes because there is quite literally a Lewis Hamilton-shaped wall blocking you from taking a seat. And when Bottas compliments Hamilton so well, it does feel silly to risk that partnership for a multiple championship-winning partnership. Well, yeah, he just says nice things about him. <laughs> That's very true. You have great if... shoes, Lewis. <laughs> nice one, Bono. <laughs> he picked them out for him, obviously. Um, but I mean, just to reiterate that point it's like four drivers for mercedes since 2010 red bull have had four since 2018 yeah, oh, Ricardo, verstappen alban and gasly uh, i mean they've got five this year so they yeah. are one ahead in four years uh compared to what mercedes have done in over a decade so i think consistency has been a real important part of of their success interesting interesting what you guys think listening as well yeah absolutely let us know um, as we move on to our final topic of today, it is F1 Guess the Year. Jingle, please, Harry. It's F1 Guess the Year. Thank you very much. So, Guess the Year. We've played this one a few times before. It's Harry versus Sam to prove who is the least stupid um <laughs> so, sorry you'll get a nice introduction like one every five podcasts or something like that um so i have got three facts about a certain year in formula one history they will take it in turns i'll say the facts and they have to just tell me what the year was so harry 
Um, I think on our last game, I can't remember if you've played a game since, but you, you managed to lose quite early on. So don't lose this time, is, is all my words. Sage advice would be. Um, don't give him sage advice, that's mine. Well, yeah, that's, that's not a good idea at all. Harry, please pick a number between one and six. Five. Number four. Oh, it's a bad one. <laughs> all right, oh, number no. five. Oh, no. Okay, here are the three facts about this year. 46 drivers competed in the championship. <laughs> 46. Oh, God. Uh, that could be a record. Um, it's the last season that Michele Alboreto competed in. Well, there's your clue. And Schumacher was disqualified from two races this season and he was banned from two more. Oh, that is your clue. What? Schumacher? They're going to say what one? What? Mick? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, David Schumacher, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I didn't know Michele Alboreto and Schumacher raced in a year together. Famously. Yes. Interesting. It's common uh, knowledge. <laughs> I love that. Uh, preschool, actually. Yeah. He, was, he was, what, ba- banned from two races, do you say? He, he was banned from two races and he was disqualified from two races. What a cheeky boy. Cheeky boy. Well, I can only think... I don't know. 1994? It's right, yeah, it's 94. What, Michele yeah, Alboreto was racing in 1994? Yeah, he just about, he was hanging on, really, in the early 90s, but he was, uh, yeah, he was still oh, yeah. there. I mean, 46 oh. drivers were in the championship. I think they, they probably got, you know, Jackie Stewart to race in that. In that say, era, all the but... way from 1956. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yes, it was 1994, uh, Schumacher's wow. first championship winning season. So, one point for Harry Yeats, Sam. Pick a number between one and six that isn't five. Uh, I'll have five. I'm joking. Um, I'll have number 46 two, drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, two. Sam. Number, number two. two. Okay. No British constructor won a race, and that was the first time this happened since 1956. It's not 1956. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a clue. <laughs> a British driver won a race for the first time in three years. And Giancarlo Fisichella won a race. And Giancarlo Fisichella won a race. That's the big giveaway. <laughs> when did Giancarlo Fisichella Cash win in number four, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Fisichella's there, so it can't be really any, any earlier than, like, 95. He's not, he's not won many, I don't think, is he, Fizzy? No, he's not won too many, has old Fizzy. He's, been, he's too busy defending thing air. Um, <laughs> oh, Fizzy. Fizzy, Fizzy, Fizzy. I'm going to go with 2004. It's not right, I'm afraid. Harry, any ideas? Um, I hate this game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't 2003? Uh, no, it was 2006. So oh. uh, Jensen Button won a race, obviously, for the first time. Okay. The first time a Brit won since 2003 when David Coulthard won. Um, and McLaren didn't win a race that year, so no British constructor that won was a my race. T- I was trying to work out which year it was that McLaren hadn't won the race. Yeah, so 1-0 uh, it stays. Harry, 
One, three, four, or six? Four, please. Number four. Number four. Sebastian Vettel wins the Australian Grand Prix in this season. He's done that every single year since. Yeah, that's exactly. Not much of a clue, is it? (laughs) Uh, Two Brits stand in for a Grand Prix, for a single Grand Prix. Uh, and the top two in the championship were not from the same team. Oh. Uh, 2017. That's what I said. 2017. Damn it. Paul DeResta and Jensen Button. Yeah. Standing in. Uh, Vettel, of course, finished second in the championship rather than Bottas. And Vettel won the Australian Grand Prix that year. So it's another point for you, Harry. Sam, can you get one on the board? Uh, one, Very three, sad. or six? I'll have number six. Number six. Alain Prost has his second and final winless season. Mika Hakkinen debuts in F1. Uh, Nelson Piquet wins his last race. And if you really needed the clue, I mean Nelson Piquet senior. Oh, okay. Thank God. Because I was <laughs> thinking kind of, you know, a few decades ago. Yeah. Um... Oh, it's the, it's the hacking and debuting. It's, it's most overrated driver in F1. Oh, oh no. there's no time for that. We're at nearly <laughs> the end of an episode, Sam. It's not the. It's not in F. No, okay. I'm having a laugh, folks. Please don't lynch me. Uh, I'm going to go with 1996. I'm afraid that's not right. God damn it! Not How a shocker. Eat? Um, 92. Oh, it's close. It's a good guess. Uh, 91. Oh, I was miles away that time. So, Alan Prost had a bit of a nightmare year at Ferrari that year. Mika Hakkinen debuted uh, for Lotus, and Nelson Piquet won the Canadian Grand Prix, which was his last F1 win. Oh, I'm embarrassing oh, myself. Very embarrassing. Very embarrassing. <laughs> Come uh, on, no- <laughs> number one or number three, Harry? Number one, please. All right, number one. Max Verstappen was born. It was the <laughs> last year before V10s were re oh, sorry, not reintroduced, they were introduced. Uh, and Gerhard Berger has his final F1 race. I've definitely uh, picked the bad numbers this time around. I think you, yeah. <laughs> 1997? It is 1997. He's got an absolute clean sweep. Because if you know how old Max Verstappen is, that one isn't. Verstappen is so young. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. painful. And he's so young, considering he has like six years of experience in F1. Yeah. Okay, that leaves you, Sam, with number three. Hit me up. I've got to do some deep thinking. In this year, team orders are banned. Uh, a driver takes 14 pole positions in a season, which matches the record from Nigel Mansell. And Felipe Massa becomes the first Ferrari driver since 1992 to fail to finish on a podium all year. Oh! Ooh, I, I didn't know Massa had a, a, a podiumless Ferrari season. Is it 2011? It is 2011. He's got one right! I'm happy with that. Cheers. Seb Vettel Thanks, was on one in qualifying that year, and, and yeah. Massa wasn't on one that year. Felipe, no. baby. Uh, well done, though, Harry. Yeah, yeah, Harry, you smashed me there. If you'd like to smash me later, then just give me a ring. 
Well, it's not appropriate. Well, content, I, I so wouldn't wait up, Sam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and if uh, you viewers and listeners would like to go on that offer, then uh, play the jingle. It's F1. Guess the year. Yeah, we, we are getting out of here before Sam says anything. Um, thank you very much for, for joining this episode. Episode 99, I should mention, which, if my maths is correct, next week is going to be episode 100. How have we got to this point? Answers on a postcard, please. Um, until next time, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here, though, Sam. I don't know who has postcards anymore, so don't bother sending those in as things asked for. But, uh, yeah, join us for uh, episode 100. we got the big 100 this time next week. Uh, if you have enjoyed it, follow download whatever you call it these days um if you don't want to do that don't but we appreciate you sticking around if you've got this far thank you much love to you all uh and we'll see you all next week in the meantime i've been samuel sage i've been ben hawking i've been giancarlo fisichella and remember keep breaking late sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time (gasps) no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.